16. James chapter 1, 16 to 18. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Father, it's hard to imagine a statement in Scripture more gloriously firm upon study. Wow, what a marvel thou art. What a phenomenal thing you have done. We would in this hour worship at the foot of thy greatness and worship at the foot of thy goodness. We would remember that thou art God and that thou art severe and that thou art God and that thou art good. Help us then in this glorious text of Scripture, we pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. In spite of many biblical anthropomorphisms, expressions of God to depict him in a way that we might grasp and understand, you and I know that God, unlike man, does not change. We just sang that. God does not change. Theologians call that immutability. God does not change. God is unlike man. Now we do think, when we're studying the doctrine of anthropology, how that man was uniquely created like God. And the teaching point is that man was made in his image. But what is true in that regard is not true in reverse. God is in no way made in our image. And in fact, God is in no way made for he is creator, not created. We are created, and we are created in his image. 
And yet, as a creator, there is far, far, far more different between you and God than the same. I heard the other day in one of the commercials for medical science that I am 95% the same as a rhesus monkey. Oh, if I could only climb up in the truck like that anymore. I don't believe I am 95% anymore like a rhesus monkey. I'd say I'm running about 72 to 73% these days. But I'm just telling you that you and I don't have to worry about how, uh, what percentage we are like God. He's perfect. And even when we are perfect before him as human beings, we will not be God. We will still be people. We will still be creation and not the creator. Puritan Stephen Charnock said that immutability is the grounds and our encouragement for worship. That the thing that really drives the soul to soar before God in worship is the reminder that God does not change. In this hour, we find occasion in the study of James 1, 16 to 18 to think about precisely what God does do and what God cannot do. And namely, we think upon the fact that God cannot act contrary to his own immutable nature. We commonly sing that truth. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. After declaring to us that God possesses no evil inclination and never sinfully tempts any person, James 1.13, James then details the development of sin from within us starting with our own personal desires that run contrary to the will of the Heavenly Father, verses 14 to 15. The segue of emphasis made in verses 14 and 15 on the methodology of sin is so grammatically smooth to the emphasis that is made thereafter, verses 17 and 18, upon God's goodness, that healthy debate ensues over the proper understanding of the command in verse 16. What exactly does James mean when he says, do not err, my beloved brethren? Do not be deceived. What does he mean specifically by that? Is 
the beloved family of God commanded not to be deceived concerning the methodology of their sin, verses 14 and 15, or not to be deceived concerning the goodness of God, verses 17 and 18. And the answer is both. In fact, all sin directly or indirectly connects to a lacking trust in the goodness of God. We know this because of the original sin of Adam, enacted on the basis of God's goodness and the word being called into question. And so I submit to you that verse 16 connects to that which is above it, the methodology of sin from within us, initiated by our own desire, and verse 16 connects to that which is below it, namely a clear expression on the goodness of God. The word er means to deceive, and in this case, to deceive yourself. Do not deceive yourself, my beloved brethren. That's the clear admonition of this imperative. Do not grow astray. Do not wander. Do not err. Be, uh, as it were, fortified against deception. For you can be deceived by ignorance about how sin develops from within you. And you can also certainly be self-deceived by doubt concerning God's goodness. Do not be self-deceived by your own sinfulness and do not be self-deceived by God's goodness, thinking that it's something less than good. The basic idea that uh, I wrote down devotionally uh, for my own uh, heart response in regards to this text is that God ought to be, for his goodness, more appealing to me than my sin. God ought to be more appealing in his goodness to me than my sin. James gives us that logic here, 17 and 18. And we borrow the words of God's appeal uh, as made uh, in the Old Testament by the prophet Isaiah, come let us reason together, uh, to introduce the three little things that we want to note in this text. We begin with, let us reason together of God's good character. Let us reason together of God's good character. The theology that James asserts is easily grasped. Every Good thing given to man is from above. God is the source of all good things. Everything God made was good, and everything God gives, including the testing that he brings to our lives as believers 
is good. Everything God does reflects his flawless goodness. 17a, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. That statement of goodness attributed to God as to his loving action in giving and the gifts that he gives as to quality, perfect. And of course, that word there means complete or whole. Commentator Ken Hughes summarizes the flawless goodness of God as gifts that are intrinsically good and comprehensively good. Intrinsically good, that deals with the quality of the gift that God gives. Every good gift, every gift that God gives is good. A good gift comes from God. It is as the quality intrinsically good, and it is comprehensively good. It adds up to more good. Good upon good, and good upon good, and grace upon grace, as it's said otherwise in the scripture. 17b, and that intrinsically good gifts and those uh, comprehensively good gifts from above cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. 17b tells us about the nature or characteristic of God as the great giver. The gifts given are perfect because the giver is perfect. Before we say more about the action words of logistics uh, in this text, uh, I would call you to, to take note of them uh, in, in the in the scripture, every good gift, every perfect gift is from God, and cometh down. That's logistical. Cometh down. Those are action words. Cometh down. Amazon, UPS, FedEx, and such like revolutionized the retail business in America by their logistical expertise in moving things from where they are to our doorstep. And here you and I confront the logistical nature of God's good. God's good out of the warehouse of heaven is constantly shipped our way. There are new things arriving every day. Grace upon grace, goodness upon goodness. The constant flow of good from God the giver down to man is beyond Compare. Everything God does reflects his flawless goodness. That flawless goodness shipped every single day our way. I appreciate the work done by Dr. Norman Geisler on this particular subject. He makes a case that with our understanding 
of God's omniscience and God's omnipotence and God's omnipresence, big words that we even teach our little children around here. Geisler says that we would be wise to add to that or to those thoughts this thought of omni-benevolence, omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence, omni-benevolence. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present, and all good, intrinsically and comprehensively good. Here's how Geisler says it. If love is defined as willing the good of its object, then for all practical purposes, love and goodness can be treated synonymously. Literally, the word omnibenevolent means all good. Biblically, the basic Hebrew term for love, kesed, used of God means goodness, affection, goodwill, loving kindness, or tender loving mercy. The Greek word agape, used of God's love, means benevolence, a selfless, sacrificial love. Theologically, God's omnibenevolence refers to his infinite and unlimited goodness. God is flawlessly good, and he ships of that flawless goodness to us every day. Quite the statement. James uses a common Jewish reference to God as the Father of lights to make his point about God's goodness. This divine title speaks of God as the creator of lights, plural, sun, moon, stars. Unlike those created lights upon which we know man can, with calculation, depend. Nonetheless, unlike those created lights, God's characteristic goodness never orbits, never varies, never fades, never, never changes. God's goodness is unchanged and unchangeable. The earth orbits around the sun. The moon orbits around the earth. But James says that when it comes to good God and his good gifts shipped every day our way, there is no orbiting, no warble, no orbiting in God. God faithfully is good the same every day. 
That's why we started out talking about immutability. God never changes as we begin to talk about then God as to his goodness. God is good immutably. He is good without orbit as he is in himself good without change. Everything in your life and mine changes. It is such a blessing to know something of the God who does not orbit. The Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And let me just say a word about that phrase. In order to cast the shadow, uh, the brighter light has to be outside you. And so if the sun is up there, like the spotlight on the platform, it can cast a shadow down there because of the light uh, 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 voiding around the aspect of my body. My body, in light of the cast of the light, creates a shadow. In order for there to be a being without a shadow, that being must have light intrinsically from within. And in fact, one of the little books that I delight to read our children every year, if I have an occasion, is uh, R.C. Sproul's book, A King Without a Shadow. Because in fact, there is a king who does not have a shadow because light is indeed intrinsically from within him. And God is the God who has no shadow. And God who has no shadow of turning and God who has no orbit is fixedly good. Now there's a denture commercial. Fix it and forget it. But when it comes to God, I preach to you, it's fixed. Don't forget it. It's fixed. Don't forget it. God is good. Don't forget the point. Do not allow yourself, says James, to ever think that God isn't good to you regardless of your circumstances. He is good to you. He is good. He is good to you. Don't allow yourself to think that God has set you up for sinful failure. He has not. God is good. God is all good. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Secondly, let us reason together of God's choice to make good. Let us reason together of God's choice to make good. Verse 18, of his, I'd argue capital H, of his own will, God's will, God's desire, God's want to. 
of God's own will begat, brought forth, caused to be born, caused to be born from above, caused to be born again. Of his own will begat, he, I would argue capital H, us. I can only talk about safe from sin. I can only talk about home in heaven. I can only talk about a living experience someday in perfect righteousness because God made up his mind about me. My security, your security in Christ is not predicated upon the fact that you made up your mind. You're fickle. One day you want it, the next day you don't. Why, I've seen a kid in a, in a line for ice cream that by the time they ordered their ice cream and the ice cream was scooped and handed to them, they, they wanted to change flavors. And some of you would change mates or change children or change churches or change this or change that and think that if we could only make a change, oh, my life would be so much better if he, if she, if they, if it. God brings us to confront the God who doesn't change, the God who has no orbit. Good, intrinsically and comprehensively good. And his choice to make us good. James is writing to believers. I'm preaching by and large to believers this morning. Of his own will, of his own desire, begat, made to be born. Made to be born from above. Made to be born again. He, us. With, with the word of truth. Listen, I cannot talk about being saved from my sins. I cannot talk about a home of heaven. I cannot talk about a righteous expectation uh, to stand before God in eternity future in all perfection. I cannot talk about that without acknowledging the will of God and the word of God of his own will begot us with the word of truth. What a beautiful balance. What a glorious thing to wrap your brain around. My salvation and yours must be attributed to the choice of our all good God. 
we are saved by God's good choice and by the word of truth we've received. We are saved by the truth of the word. We are saved by the will of God. On what basis is my soul secure? On what basis may I speak confidently of home in heaven? On what basis may I speak of, uh, of secure uh, in the Lord uh, in this life as well as in the life to come? Only on the basis of God making up his mind and the word of God received. No one has ever enjoyed the blessedness of peace and eternal security apart from the will of God and the word of God received. That's the only way it works. It's the only way it's ever worked. But think of it. You and I are saved by the will and the word of God. God has made the believer good. That's the point of the passage. Here's the evidence of just how good God is. He is so good, he made up his mind about you in eternity past, and he caused you to be begotten, to be saved, to be born again, to be born from above by the reception of the word of God. So let me just ask you, does God ever make up his mind about somebody and then not bring them the word of God to be saved? Do those things ever happen independently of each other and get stuck in the middle? Listen, God is all good. He doesn't ever do half a thing. He hath begotten us by his own will and place before us the word of God that we might receive it. And even when we receive it, we can't say, Oh, glory to me for being such a smarty pants. No. Glory to God, for he is good. God's great goodness is seen in that while we were yet enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Romans 5.10 God's great goodness is seen in that he spared not his own son, but also freely gives to us all things. Romans 8.32 God's great goodness is seen for of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever, Romans eleven thirty three. You and I ought to often reflect upon the logic, the calculation that James brings to the forefront here in the text, that God has made up his mind about you God's choice has been to make us good.
And that becomes then the standard hanging over our life for our effort and pursuit. And so let me add then the reasonability, let us reason together concerning you as God's child being good. You should be. You can be. If you aren't, it's not God's fault. God is intrinsically good. He has no orbit. He ships goodness day in, day out to you and to me. He's made a choice to bring his good into our lives. He's made us good by faith in his son. And now the reasonability at the end of verse 18 is that God's children have been chosen for good that they might indeed be good. It says that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Why did God choose to make some of his creatures good with his goodness? Answer. Uh, so that they would be a kind of first fruits. The Old Testament law of first fruits involved giving back to God the first and the best of the harvest. That which was given was an indicator of what the rest of the crop would be like. Those originally addressed those Jewish Christians scattered abroad by persecution were the first sheaves or the first fruits of a harvest that now has continued right up to and through this year, 2023. I'm quite confident those dear believers could not have had that in mind. Furthermore, what God has started within a believer, he in fact continues to fashion until the day of Christ ahead. And furthermore, God's great, pure, and perfect goodness, of which believers are said to be the first fruits will ultimately be worked out into the new heavens and the new earth in which only righteousness dwells, and that forever. Are all good and all wise God is creator, Sustainer, 
Redeemer. And by faith, we call him our Father. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. O Lord, help us as thy first fruits to think good, to act good, to be good as you have called us good. Lord, you know we find no power or capacity to think that way, to live that way, to be that way on our own or by our own choice. But today we have been reminded of your choice of us. And Lord, since you have chosen us to be good, thy good, thy good children, then help us in resolve of mind and heart to live that way, to be that to respond that way in the ebb and flow of life. This we pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.